What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is a trillion dollar industry. You know, waste, whether it's physical, it's, it's liquid. You know, this stuff isn't going anywhere. So if you're dealing with that type of money, the equipment got to be efficient. And I tell all my NFL partners from a time, Matthew, um, Mike Evans, everybody that I talk to about this, I say, I've, I, I feel like I've discovered liquid gold. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches, life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, all right, all right. Hustle fam, hustle fam. We are back with another amazing episode. And when I tell y'all that we have a special, special one today, <laughs> listen, y'all, I, I, I am impressed, amazed. I don't even have the words to say. When I tell y'all about this business, my brother Russell Shepard here. Bro, what's up, man? Appreciate having me, man. Man, listen, thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm I'm actually (laughs) at the home office, which is actually a a home. (laughs) Not your home, but it's a a home that is an office. Super dope. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Waste management. Right. Uh, and, and and I always tell everybody that the riches are in the niches, bro. Mm. And you have found a niche that I think is so unique, so dope. And we're going to just kind of get into all of that and tell the people how you got into it. I know you started in other spots of the industry, kind of transitioning to here. Um, Ex-NFL athlete. Man, you lived a couple of different lives, man. So we're going to get into the story. But first, again, welcome to the show. Appreciate it, man. I'm excited, man. You guys hot right now. <laughs> no doubt. We on fire, man. Right. We, 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 we trying to do our thing. Uh, let, let's, let's, let's get into the beginning, brother. Uh, let's, let's talk about, you know, you, your background coming up. Let's, let's start with where, where are you from, man? All right. So I'm from the Houston area. You know, I grew up all over Houston. You know, my mom and dad, you know, we were originally from the north side. You know, um, they were young parents. So, you know, throughout my childhood, we moved around know, finding different places, you know, for them to, you know, whether it was work related or they just want to get to a better side of town, you know, better environment for me and my, my brother and my, my cousins that live with us throughout my childhood. But like I said, I'm a Houstonian, man. I was live, lived and born and raised out here. Okay. So your whole life been in Houston. What high school did you go to? I went to a school called Cy Ridge. Okay. You know, it's the Cypress area is where we stay now. It's where we came back. Um, I bought a house out here about seven years ago. And um, it's one of the fastest growing areas in the country. Um, North, you know, Houston in general is growing, but um, we're in the Cypress area. It's growing really crazy. Okay, so you said the high school is called Cy Ridge? Cy Ridge, yeah, Cypress Ridge. So there are a bunch of schools out here. There are about 10 schools that call Cy, Cy whatever. Okay, gotcha. Cy Ridge. After Cypress. Yeah, Cypress. Cy, Cy Ridge, Cy Lake, Cy, Cy Ranch, Cy Park. So we wanted them, them Cy schools. Okay, so tell me about like the demographics of your school. Like how, how was it as a kid coming up? So it was good. You know, that was a big part of why we came to this area. This area is probably one of the most diverse areas. You know, when you go to a school or you go, you live in a neighborhood in this area, um, in the neighborhood, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see black kids, white kids, you're going to see Asian, you're going to see every demographic, every ethnicity, you know, um, and my mom just always thought this was a good place for you, for me and my brother to come 
And it, she thought it would translate to the real world. We'll be around different people, different cultures, different backgrounds, religious beliefs. And, um, you know, in here, it's a melting pot, man. You got a little bit of everything out here. You know, um, the Cypress Dish School District is the second biggest school district in the state of Texas. It's top 10 in the country. Uh, it's bigger than most school districts on the East Coast, you know, in New York, Jersey. So uh, in my school, we had a class of 4,000 kids. And, um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah. In my school, we had a class of 1,000. Okay. Um, the school itself had, had 4,500 4, had, had 4, kids. And, um, okay. My class itself made up 1,000. Okay, got you. So in school, were you an academic? Were you an athlete? Were you clowning around? What, what kind of kid were you, man, in high I was, school? I was ball, man. I okay. was an athlete, man. You know, um, my dad, um, thank God for my, fa- my father and my mother, you know, they, they got backgrounds outside of sports. My dad didn't play sports. He was a, he was a blue-collar man. You know, he worked, worked with his hands. He did everyday skills, different trades. Um, I got the experience watching him do that um, throughout my childhood. My mom was in corporate America. She did HR work. You know, she worked for different medical practices, different corporations, helped build foundations, um, nonprofit foundations. So she has that experience. Me, I was a ball player. I fell in love with the sport early on. That's all I wanted to do. You know, like most kids that were in sports early on, I wanted to be a sportscaster. I wanted to be, you know, go and, and, and do video games all day. I thought that could be a game, you know. So throughout my journey, throughout high school and college, you know, once I got to the NFL and I seen the conversations we were having in the NFL were still kid-like conversations, <laughs> you know, um, Instagram, video games, you know, just just drama. That's when I kind of went on this 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 binge, as I said. This I became a sponge of entrepreneurship, different businesses, starting companies, investing. Got you. Tell tell me a little bit about your path to the NFL. Like, what was that? You went from high school. Tell, tell me about yeah. that. How that progressed. So, so I was a high recruited guy coming out of Houston area. You know, um, it's crazy to think that I've been out of high school since two thousand nine. Um, you know, I had. Um, you know, I, I could have went anywhere. You know, I played a little. I played quarterback. I played a little bit of. You know. A few other different positions, but I ended up chasing my wife to LSU. Okay. She was a little bit older than me. Um, you know, with her being at the school, them coming off a national championship just a year or two prior, you know, I spent a lot of time up there. So I committed up there early. Um, and then I kind of got up there, you know, um, I played with people like Odell Beckham, Tyron Matthew, Eric Reed, you know, the list goes on of the talent, the type of players I play with. So I left Houston being this number one player in the state of Texas, top five player in the country. And I got to LSU where all this competitive, all this talent was. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I just seen that, like, you know, there has to be more out there if I'm not the best here. You know, what else can I do to kind of put myself above? So I started selling. I started hustling early in college, man. I was selling, you know, like like kids in high school, I was selling candy at, at the bars. You know, I was selling different things to my teammates. I was just, I caught, I got, even though I was playing ball in college, I got that entrepreneurship thing kind of later on in college and really when I got to the league. Got you. So you were an entrepreneur in college. So you're, you're, you're playing, <clears throat> you're playing football and you're, you're hustling, like you yeah, said, yeah, yeah. doing your thing. Right, right, right. So, so, so that's dope. So, tell me a little bit about more about college, college ball, like your transition from that level to getting into the pros. Like, tell right. me how that went. So, you know, my experience with college, like I said, like most kids, my, you know, when you get to college, you have these expectations. I want to be number one pick once I get, you know, to after I leave LSU. I want to have this fifteen year career. I want to do all these things, but. In reality, my college career didn't go like I, I thought or really wanted it to go. You know, um, I graduated with a communications degree. 
Um, you know, I, pr- I played throughout my four years, but ideally I wasn't the superstar. You know, so throughout my career, my first two years I played, I had some success, but um, we had a guy by the name of Odell Beckham come. <laughs> and then um, we had a guy by the name of Jarvis Landry come. Okay. And um, I sat down quick. Stiffing the competition a little bit. 100%. 100%. And I recruited them cats, man. I'm like still, still my little brothers to this day. We communicate on a regular. I'm happy to see them still doing their thing um, in the league. But, you know, I just kind of came in. Um, I, I went through with most kids go through, you know, um, like I said, talent is heavy and I didn't play as much throughout my college career. You know, I played a lot early on. They came, they flourished. And uh, when you go to those type of schools, you're really only supposed to be there for three years. You do your three years and you go to the next level. You right. know what I'm saying? Um, that's what happens when you go to those schools. I stayed a fourth year. <laughs> so when you stay a fourth <laughs> year, it's that next five stars, that next underclassman's opportunity. And um, like I said, you know, I just I was able to coming back from my fourth year, I was able to um make the transition from being this high offensive skilled talented guy and then I kind of started playing special teams. Okay. You know, I had a um a mentor of mine, he was my special team coordinator at LSU my last 2 years. Um his name is Thomas McGahey. He actually was just a special team coordinator for the New York Giants. Okay. Um he told me, he said, Russell, you still can play this game at the next level, regardless, you know, what type of stats you have or how things occurred or if you didn't play as much. He said, you got the skill set to still play. He said, you just got to find your niche, as you said mm. earlier. And um, I found that with special teams. So um, throughout my last year at LSU, kind of went from being this offensive skill guy to the special team captain, kind of, you know, I sharpened that skill. And when I got to the NFL, man, um, truth, truth be told, um, that kept me in the league the last seven years, being able to be a guy that can do a little bit of everything, you know, a receiver that can tackle, a receiver that can play inside, a receiver that can play outside, my leadership ability, you know, me being able to take over locker rooms, being able to to get guys to 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 buy into a culture. You know, it was the other things that I had in my bag, my tool bag that allowed me to have a career outside of just being a physical, you know, a skill set I had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was it always your, your dream to play in the NFL? Was that that was always the end goal, right? I mean, that was the end goal, man. I'm a kid from inner city, you know, whether you're from inner city, Oakland, you know, Brooklyn, you know, Houston, whatever. Like, you know, we, we're limited to what we're exposed to. So, like I said, like me, I was limited like a lot of kids, I, you know, from my experience looking at the TVs and success from my point of view, it was athletes and entertainers. Right. You know, but I knew that you can make a living with just simplicity, doing everyday things, you know, things that are not going anywhere. Like I said, my dad, he did AC work, you know, for, for 30 plus years. So I was in the attic with him, 130 degrees, you know, in the summertime. But also, too, you know, I was seeing him making money every day. He right. was coming home dirty. Dirt everywhere, sweating, smelling like he'd been working all day, but he had a pocket full of money. Yeah. You know, and then he also, too, he had trades. So when the AC work got slow in the wintertime because it's now it's cold, you know, he did dump trucks. You know, he understood how to always have different hustles and have different things so you can stay afloat during different times of the season. So watching him kind of, you know, 
set himself up to be, you know, stable, to be, you know, um, as they say, not volatile. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, that was big for me because I was able to be exposed to other ways where you can provide. Got you. So so you came from a blue collar family, right? Every Obviously, as a kid, your expectations when you get into the NFL or to the professional level, there's obviously a financial benefit right. that comes with that. How did the NFL impact you financially? And did it meet your expectations or was it different than what you assumed it would be? It was different. You know, when I got to the NFL, I was very surprised to see the, the, how guys lived. Um, and when I say lived, um, the expectations, when you play at that level and you make that money, you're supposed to have this and do this and have drive this car. So early on, I, I seen that a lot of guys were living beyond their means. Um, my first, I was an undrafted guy. So my first check in the NFL, my signing bonus with Philly as an undrafted guy was $7,500. After taxes, that bad boy was $4,500. So like I said, I knew if I wanted to get to the big boy checks, I had to make it to the season. And I knew once I got to the season, after talking to all the guys, every guy was on a week-to-week basis. You know, every every week, you got to prove your worth in the NFL. It's a big big money business. So like I say, it's it's cutthroat. So I knew with every check I got, every if I made the team, I had to invest it. I had to save it. I had to do right. You know, to that point in 2013, which is my rookie year, I had a fiance that I was planning to propose to. You know, my first NFL check, you know, pretty much I bought I bought her ring with that. Gotcha. You know, um, my second check, you know what I'm saying? I pretty much, you know, bought my first dump truck with. You know what I'm saying? My third check. So everything I was just pre-planning, I was like, okay, if it was the end this week, you got a great start to the rest of your life. Got you. So you, you're, you're in the league. What, what are you seeing? Because obviously you said that you had that entrepreneurial bug, right? right? You're right. always trying to make money outside of right. just, you know, playing ball, right? right, right. What, what were you seeing like your other, the other guys around you doing? Were there other entrepreneurial guys in the league? Like were there any people that you could look to and say, hey, he's doing that. Let me try to diversify my money like he's doing. Like what, what, what was the landscape like of the league at that time? Right, right. So my first year in the league, you know, um, I, I got to see that. You know, when I signed with Philly, um, the veterans in that locker room weren't more, they weren't entrepreneur. They were ballers. You know, I had Deshaun Jackson. I had Michael Vick. I had, um, um, you know, um, the list goes on, Jeremy Macklin. You know, I had those type of guys where they, they, they were still somewhat young in their career, but they would focus on ball. But when I got, um, I ended up getting released, um, final cuts from Philly at the end of training camp. And I, um, the next day I got claimed by Tampa. So when you get released in professional sports, whether it's the NHL, MLBs, basketball, football, the next, within 24 hours, every other team has 24 hours to take your contract, to take over your contract. So now you don't have to renegotiate a new contract. They don't have to start from scratch. They literally just take the contract you had in place and they say, we're going to cover it. So Tampa, they, they, they took, they claimed me. They took over my contract and my rights. So, um, when I got into that locker room, that locker, locker room wasn't as, you know, um, athlete like it was right. more of a, um, it was it was an older it was an older locker room. It was a lot of guys that were a little more established in their ways. So in my my receiver room, Vincent Jackson, rest in peace to the big homie, um, Vincent Jackson. You know when I got into that locker room in 2013, to that point, he had um, almost a hundred real estate properties. Mm. You know um, he was very he was it, it caught me by surprise because to that point I've you know I spent about four months in Philly. And I really didn't see anybody doing anything outside of football. 
you know, but as soon as I got to Tampa and, you know, within a, a week or two of spending with him, um, I got to see that he was in, in, invested into real estate. He was researching about commercial real estate. Um, he, he had a um, he was very pro like. You know, in the NFL, when you get certain individuals that go up over and beyond just being an athlete, you know, we call them pros, pros. He was coming to work with a suit on. He was taking notes in meetings. He was, you know, going over and beyond his duties as an athlete. So, you know, um, I give a lot of credit to Vincent Jackson because he taught me how to be a pro. And then he taught me how to be more than an athlete. You know, mm. So he was my he was my first experience with being more than what they expect. Got you. So what was your first major investment? I, I know you spoke about the dump trucks. Was, right. was that your first major investment? Yeah, yeah. So that was my first thing. You know, um, I knew that I wanted to do it my, my rookie year. You know, I just wanted to save as much as I can. Because like I said, to that point, you know, I, my first two years in the NFL, I live with my parents. I was trying to save and I was I was saving for a, a down payment on the house and I was saving for my wedding. To that point. So, um, you know, I knew that I wanted to do it. I just need to I wanted to wait towards the end of the year. So at the end of the year, after talking to my dad and said, Dad, I'm looking for something to do with my, with this change I got. I said, I don't want to break the bank. I, I still got to save for the wedding. You know, I'm trying to get my own house. Um, um, Shep. So I called my dad. Right. I said, give me some direction. He said, man, go get your dump truck. So I help you run it. I manage it. Um, to that point, we had two dump trucks already. They were running their, their two dump trucks with some other companies. So he said, I got time to help you. So it went from one dump truck and, you know, over a three year period, we got up to six. And um, it was a good experience, man. Um, you know, like I say, the thing I learned about that journey is that as an entrepreneur, you know, um, if you're not involved in the day to day operations or understanding what you're dealing with, your business is going to not necessarily it's not going to fail, but it's not going to be as efficient as you want. And my first four years running that business, I wasn't as hands on, you know, but I was learning. I was really worried about football. I was really worried about football. I wasn't worried about payrolls. Um, um, mechanics. I wasn't worried about, you know, getting work, you know, jobs, excuse me, contracts. I wasn't worried about minority certifications, small, small business certifications. I wasn't worried about getting my mom involved on the ownership side so we can be a woman's own certification. Like I wasn't worried about it. I just wanted to make money and start something. So like I said, once I got to the fourth year um, of the company, which is my contract year, Vincent Jackson towards ACL. I mean, it was his last year. And um, to that point, I was with Tampa for four years straight. And um, I was developing as a receiver and I was standing on, I was making the team every year because I was a special team guy. So um, the grace of God and just, you know, just how things worked out. Um, when Vincent Jackson towards ACL, uh, we had two other receiver, veteran receivers that were going to step into his role. Lewis Murphy, um, he was at that point a nine-year veteran. He tore his ACL. So he was now done. Um, we had um, Cecil Shorts. Um, he was an eight-year veteran at that point. He had a career ending knee injury. So I was the next man up. So um, literally, I stepped into a starting role opposite of Mike Evans um, in 2016, which was my contract year. I had an amazing year. Um, I, I started the last eight games of the season, played well. We was a game away from ma making the playoffs. So, you know, with all that success, you know, I had within those eight games, I had a lot of um, interest going into the offseason. Right. Teams knew my background as being this high school kind of 
a superstar, a talented guy. They knew I kind of went to a run school with LSU. We were running the ball. They knew Odell and them kind of as talented as they were. They knew that they kind of harmed my development because I didn't get to play as much in my last few years. So I had a lot of teams saying, okay, this kid could have something. So I had tons of interest going into the offseason. So I knew with all that interest, I knew I was going to get a little check. I knew I was going to get something where I can start something else. Mm. I can do something that I really wanted to do. So after that fourth year, I sat down with my mom and dad and them, and um, I gave them the company. I made my initial return on my investment, you know, um, with six trucks in the property we had. And um, I kind of just passed it on to them so they can sustain and they can take care of themselves. And there's no more, you know, hey, baby. or All right, guys. Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now, let's get back to the show. We need help, or can you help us? Now they got their own business. You know, it, it, everything paid off, and they sustained with that business from year four all the way to I retired, which was about a year and a half ago. Wow, wow! So you you saw the company wasn't running the way profi- profi- efficiently. There's right. a better word as it could. So you just pretty much turned it over to mom and dad. They took it over. Um, all right, cool. So, and, and you focus back on ball. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so to that point, then at that point I was hooked on entrepreneur stuff. Okay. Dump truck stuff is not what I wanted to do long term. Gotcha. It was a great living. It was a great way. And I still could still encourage people to do it today, but I knew that there was better things out there. Okay. With my resources, you know, um, um, the things that the the team I had around me, I knew that I can find something else that just was pressed on me because that's all I knew. Gotcha. You know, but after that, after I passed the company on to them, I went on the I went on the information information binge the next four years, and I, I man, I researched every industry, every type of company from real estate to um, sports agencies. I was looking at franchisees. I looked at everything. Um, I, I um, managing funds. Um, I looked at everything. And everything that kept checking off all the boxes I need, and I, I wanted something that wasn't volatile. I wanted something that had a lot of residual um, income. I wanted something that um, it didn't have that you can grow at your pace. You know, if you want to grow it fast and turn into a multi-million dollar company within two or three years, you can do it. If you want to stay family smaller, you know, you can do that. And everything was waste. Everything was waste. Mm. Everything was waste. And um, like I say, it's crazy. You know, um, I've told you the story a little bit, but I was out in Manhattan with my wife. We went to a restaurant called Julon. It's um, one of my favorite restaurants in in the city, New York. And um, it was the night before trash. And um, to this point, I was about about four years into research and I thought I was going to do the sports agency. Okay. You know, I went to the combine. I was talking to people. I was setting up meetings and I was starting that process of letting people know that, look, this is his move after he's done playing, you know? And, um, after the eating, eating at that restaurant, my wife seeing all the trash out the night before trash, I got the idea. I said, I said, baby, I said, I've never seen this, never seen this much trash in my life. I said, no, I don't know what people are charging for this trash, but me being in the dump truck world, I understood the more you carry, the more money you make. So I knew somebody was making some money. So I went through my phone and I went through every contact, just saying who was trash related, who can I call upon to 
hey, what do you know about this? Give me some direction on this. What do I got to do to do this? And I had one contact in my phone. It was a man by the name of John Farley. John Farley is the CEO and the president of Zeters. Um, Zeters is a brokerage waste company. He started that company in 2009 when I was in high school, you know, about to graduate. And um, he told me about this dream he had of starting a brokerage waste company and how it was needed. Waste was so big of a problem and how the big companies like the Targets, the HEBs, they don't want to deal with the, the the dumpsters and the trash compactors and the, the construction. You know, they don't want to deal with all that. They want to source that to companies and companies deal with that. So he started Zeters in 2009 with five people. Fast forward now to 2022. John now has about 200 people on, um, on payroll. Um, John does about 30 plus million dollars a year in annual revenue. And his company's pretty much been doubling in size the last decade. Wow. So, um, I knew he, I knew his company was growing. I knew he was my only contact. I reached out to him. I said, John, I'm getting kind of burnt out on ball. This is year seven. I'm looking for some direction. Give me some. You know, I had an idea. I seen trash. I just thought of you. He said, um, <laughs> right, 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 right. Right. And to this point, and backtrack. No know, offense, John. Yeah, yeah, no offense. No, no offense, John. But to this point, John, um, John was executive at BMFI. That was a big trash company down in the South, you know, um, a company worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay. And um, John um, just quit. John said, I, 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 to this point, I was working in the industry for 25 years and um, I seen that there was a way where I can start something, something that was needed, something that was new, a new norm. And um, he took that chance. He, he took out his 401k. They penalized him. He started Zeters. And, you know, now Zeters is, um, you know, one of the fastest growing, you know, privately owned companies in the country. Wow. And this is a brokerage. It's so a brokerage. Th- there's no actual assets. It's there's just. No assets. Computer, laptop, and that's some it. salespeople. That's it. And so that's where our conversation went next. He says, Russell, he says, you know, I do about 5,000 companies nationally with Zeters. And we we help people push their equipment from portable toilets to hand wash stations to dumpsters, fencing, um, storage containers. I deal with everything. And he says, um, I said, well, John, I said, I'm looking for something that's a good transition for, for somebody that I don't have a lot of work experience. I'm not a tech guy. I don't have anybody in the waste industry. Give me something that's just hard work and dedication, and I can make something with it if I put the right people in place. And he says he thought about it. And um, to this point, I was thinking about a roll-off a dumpster company because I come from the dump truck background. And he says, no, 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 don't do that. He says, do a porter potty company. He says, people are shitting and pissing every day. 100%. Pooping and pissing every day is what he said. He says, um, the companies grow fast. He says they're not complex. They're just hard work and dedication. And um, he he told me, told me everything I needed. Um, he said, do this, do that. And he said, when you get it set up, come through, come back and holler at me. He says, I use about um, 10 companies locally in the Houston and surrounding areas. He says, if you buy brand new equipment, you hire right. He says, I'll source majority of the work through you. You'll become my preferred vendor. And um, but he says, you know, you got to go out and do what I said, buy good, new, good equipment, get it started and then hit me. So it took me about, you know, started in February, got to about August, September, got the company going, got the product. You know, we, we created the, the product we wanted to, to sell. You know, we found the real estate where we're going to house everything. To that point, my mom and them got 
rid of the trucking company. They became full-time partners with me and the company. And we got it going, um, you know, August 3rd of 2020 in the midst of COVID. Yeah. Wow. In, in the height of COVID. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Um, so said fast forward, we had it open for a month. We got a good foundation. Um, to that point, it was costing me about $8,000 a month to run the company. Uh, we had one truck. We had about 150 toilets, portable toilets. We had about 75 holding, um, hand wash stations and a few waste tanks. And um, within that first month, we made like seven grand. Got you. I got a lot of questions. Yeah. All right. So first, with this relationship with John, because that's the plug. Shout that's out to John, because he, he was able to actually tell you exactly what to do because he saw it. From 100%. from the outside looking in, 100%. so he knew exactly like, and he kept on stressing for you to get new equipment. New equipment. So why why do he keep on telling you to get new equipment? What's so important about that? Just just first, I want to talk about about that. Like, why was he saying make sure you get new equipment? What were some other things that he told you that you need to make sure you do to be successful in this industry? Right. So the benefit with John is John works with national. He he's national. John works with companies in Hawaii, Vermont, Houston, wherever. Um, so John knows. He he knows what's what's needed and what's not needed. And um, you know, through talking with him and everything, he says people are making money in this industry, but they're making money doing the bare minimum. He says their marketing is bare minimum, their product is bare minimum, their service is bare minimum. He says their safety is bare minimum, you know, safety awareness. So he was like, you know, if you buy brand new equipment, if you make it safety related, if you hire right, if you train right. Typically in this industry, they train they train their drivers two weeks before they send them out in the field. We train our drivers a month and a half. So instead of two weeks, they're really being trained eight weeks. So um, you know, he was just giving me all the things to create what we say in our in our company, the, the new norm of the waste industry. You know, um, he was saying, Russell, outside of communicating, safety, service, outside being dependable and consistent with those three things, he says, add technology to it. He says there's tons of things you can add to it that won't that won't kill your business, that won't become too expensive. So that's when we came up with ideas to, you know, find different people that can add on to what we already had. Um, we created the orange portable toilets. I had some meetings with some um, owners of some Orange Theories, which is a fitness um, company. It's a nationwide company, a franchise company. And they told me why they use orange. They said it's awareness. They said it's safety related. They say it brings a, 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 a vibrant, a, a, a certain energy to, to the facility, to the workout. They says it's everything we needed when we want to be seen. And um, I, I heard about that going to a business school. I went to a business school in Michigan at, at um, Ross, Ross Business School in Michigan. The NFL had uh, um, some type of um, a business academy there. And um, I got to meet with them, them, them franchisee owners at that point. And they just stuck with me. I had that. I met with them two years prior to, before even starting this company. Right. You know, and it just stuck with me, that color. And I knew if I started something, that was going to be part of what I what I wanted to do. So once we found out the color we wanted to to, to do, then that's when we added the, the technology to it. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, and, and real quick, you said John was in your phone. Why was John in your phone? How how was how he even in your phone? Right, you right. So, you know, my wife, my wife worked for John right out of college. Okay. okay. My wife worked for him. My wife, my wife was one of the original 15, you know, so, gotcha. um, you know, when I went to the NFL um, in 2013, like I said, my wife is older than me. She's two years older than me. So she originally came back to Houston at the college, got situated in her career. She worked for John. 
it, you know, it was his, it was his, his third, you know, third or fourth year of having Zeters. She was one of the original 15 to help him get it started. And, um, that's when I, I was able to, dope, um, dope, dope. okay, to cool. Connect. So you said it took you, you, you talked to him in February and then it took you to about August yes, to sir. really get started. Yes, so sir. what was happening between, between February and August? So between February and August, we're trying to create our product, um, outside of creating our product, um, and, and, and you know, you know, creating the portable toilets, which we are going to be our bread and butter, our brand, um, talking to manufacturers over pump trucks, learning about pump trucks, learning about the industry, permits, certifications, um, talking to my mom about how do we want to build our business? Do we want to be um, a minority certification? Um, which ones do we want to have? You know, what do we want to apply for? You know, it, 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 it literally, we, we, we built the business from ground up. So from, you know, the the things that make us legal, you know, from, like I said, the compliance. LOCs, the compliance, the permits, the health departments, and then creating the product, um, learning about the trucks. Um, for example, with the trucks, our trucks are made in Grittina, uh, Virginia. <laughs> Grittina, okay. Virginia is two hours um, north of Charlotte. You okay. know, not too many people live in Grittina, Virginia. <laughs> but Amthor International, they make some of the best, you know, vacuum trucks on the West Coast. Um, so... I flew me and my mom and dad um, out to North Carolina. We took a two-hour drive from North Carolina to Gritton, Virginia. Um, we were able to walk through the factory, um, learn about the trucks, learn how the trucks operate, learn how to best maintain, you know, maintain them, you know, doing different little things to help, you know, increase your service. So, like I said, we from, like you said, becoming, you know, legit from a paperwork standpoint yeah. to the learning about the trucks and then, you know, once we got to the all that, we had to come back to Houston. We had to find our real estate. Where are we going to house all this stuff? You know, where are we going to put? What's a good place, you know, where we can have everything and it don't have, you know, they don't have any um, restrictions. You know, um, you know, we can have a portable, a waste company, you know, here. Some places you can't have a waste company because of the, you know, the, the government restrictions like and zoning and stuff zoning like that. and things like that. With us, we're in a non-zoning area. We can have anything over here. It's a business area. It's a lot of, you know, um, you know, landscaping companies over here. There's a few other waste companies and dumpster companies around this area as well. So, you know, we have to find everything from what we're going to sell, how we're going to sell it, and how we're going to service it. Got you. So what was the, the first major purchase you guys made? Was it your product or was it the truck? And what was your initial investment in terms of capital to get the business started? 100%. So the first major thing was the product. The product being, uh, we went out and bought 150 toilets. Uh, we went out and we had to buy the equipment to service the toilet. So again, we started off with 150 restrooms, a portable toilet truck, you know, vacuum truck. And we bought really a big truck that services two. So, you know, our initial investment was about 500 grand. Okay. Um, to get the company going from February into August, we spent about 500K to get the company going. Um, and what I did was, is, like I said, I'm an athlete. So, like I said, you know, I went on, I, I start calling people in my phone. I start leveraging, you know, the fact that I was an athlete and people are going to answer the phone for me. <laughs> They're going to ask questions. So, right. I'm talking to people that I've invested with. People that I've done things with in the past say, how do I start this company? Do I do my own money? Do I go to the bank? And um, through conversations, you know, I, I was told to get a line of credit. So I had a I had a good amount of money in, in, in Chase Bank. You know, Chase is one of the bigger banks in the in the world. And I told them, I said, hey, I want to start a company. I said, but um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to take my money out and I'm going to, you know, the investment account, I'm going to start the company. They say, OK, Russell, we don't want you to do that. 
you know, can we do anything? We want to keep your money. Like they want to keep everybody money so they can make fees and things off of it. It's right. business. Bank right. is big business too, you know, and you know, we got to talk and then they say, okay, we'll give you whatever you need to start the company. So once I did my research um, from the property to the equipment, to everything, I told them we needed about half a million dollars. They gave it to me. And uh, from that point, you know, like I said, you know, we were able to add, you know, once we got the, the bulk of the money, everything else was on us to add to it. You know, me, myself. Got you. So you, you, you said the, f- the first thing you kind of go out there and get is the toilets or like the porta potties. Tell me about the process of, of that. How did you know? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you've seen a porta potty before, but did you have to construct these from like, did you have to manufacture them or mm-hmm. were they already made and you mm-hmm. said to add pieces on to mm-hmm. them? How did that go? When you, and how did you know what to order? All right. So um, talking to people, you know, like I said, being an athlete, lev- you know, using that as leverage, I was able to call other operators, owners throughout the country. You know, um, guys from Sacramento all the way to Miami, just asking them how do they run their companies. And you know, I was able to learn about the manufacturers of the, the equipment. So, you know, like we went to Gritton, Virginia to get the, the truck. The truck. You know, um, like I said, we had we work with a company um, called Satellite Industries. Um, Satellite Industries, they make every portable toilet that we have. Um, they make they probably make about 75% of the portable toilets nation, I mean, worldwide. Oh, wow. So, um, like I said, we deal with them. They're a major manufacturer. We get our portable toilets from Satellite Industries. We get our hand wash stations from Satellite Industries. We get our restroom trailers from Satellite Industries. Um, we get our, um, our our water tanks, our waste tanks. So, majority of our, pro- of our product, we get from Satellite Industries. And um, like I said, I call different people. And they were the biggest company. And people said, you know, that they tend to be able to have the quickest turnaround. Okay. You know, you know, when you're missing toilets and you got jobs coming up, you need somebody that can put them out and put them out fast for you. Now, when you purchase, when you purchase these, these toilets, is there like a mandatory minimum, like a, a minimum that you have to purchase? How does that work in terms of ordering? Or can you just kind of like do it like a la carte? Like right, I just right, need right. this much. How does that work? Right, right. So typically we, we purchase them by the truckload. So like, for example, with us, you know, to get a truckload of restrooms, you know, um, with freight and everything, travel included, that's about 30 grand. So um, and how many, how many restrooms? That's about 30 restrooms. 30, you said? Okay. That's about 30 restrooms. All right. So it comes down to almost about $1,000 per restroom, a little bit under 1000 And then you throw some in there for like freight, you know, freight costs. So like I said, you know, with us is outside of the initial cost it makes to make them, we add a little more to them on the technology side. And we have other perks in our restrooms, like hand sanitizers and things like that. So to get each one of our restrooms up and going, it's probably going to get us about $800 to get it going. You know, um, you know, once you get it up and going, you know, once you rent it out for three, four months, you made your initial investment. You know, um, we get anywhere from, you know, first first time you rent one of our restrooms, you're going to have a delivery and pickup fee. Um, you know, within that, you're going to have a service fee. You know, mileage is all going to be there. So you, typically, we typically get $200 off first first time rentals. After you keep it for a certain amount of time, it usually goes down anywhere from 125 to about 185. Okay. You know, once you keep it on a regular basis, you know, we got some clients that keep these restrooms for four or five years as they build highways, intersections, skyscrapers. So, um, you know, that was a beautiful thing I found out once I found out how much it it cost to make them. And we first opened, it cost me about $600, $700 to make them. Gotcha. But with inflation, things going up, supply and demand, we're up to about $800 now. But like I said, even with it being $800 now to make them, 
I still make my money back in three or four months. Got you. So your first was your first order about thirty? Is that is that so my kinda... first my first order was hundred and fifty. Oh, it was hundred fifty. So so my first order, they sent them to me on a truck. Everything was broken down and they came satellite send some manufacturers and they built them on the property. Okay. Yeah, got you. Now at this point you already had your truck? At this point and the truck was the truck was the next thing to come. Okay, so the truck is the next thing to come. Tell me about the truck, the specs on the truck, the type of truck you need. Tell right. me a little bit about that. So, you know, the beautiful thing about um what we do is, you know, um being in the the, the dump truck world prior to, uh, you know, as a, as a truck a truck guy, you know, like yourself and, and what you guys talk about, the biggest headache is CDL. CDL drivers, points, not, you know, tickets, all type of things that come with CDL. So after doing my research and going through all this, I found out that you don't need CDL drivers right off the back. These pump trucks to operate them, they're big, they look big, but they just look big. When it comes to CDL, you know, those type of requirements, it's all about weight. And like I say, these trucks, our truck, our tanks are made from aluminum. It's very light. You know, um, you know, the, 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 the other truck, the biggest truck I have on my property is a 750 Ford. You know, it's still a, it's, it's, it's borderline commercial truck, but it's still an everyday truck. So, um, once I found that how we can, how we're going to pull these tanks around, we didn't need the CDL drivers. You know, that was a huge win. That was a huge win because like I said, now your turnover ratio isn't as high. And now you don't have new guys trying to learn routes every day, learn how to operate trucks. You don't have to spend as much capital to um, train guys. When a guy's driving an 18 wheeler or a dump truck, you got to train that guy for a few months. Right. In the, in the typical standard training time in our industry, in the waste industry with these pump trucks, two to three weeks. Got you. And you said, so they're called pump trucks, right? That's pump the truck, name vacuum that, trucks. Vacuum, vacuum trucks. trucks. Typically, how much do they cost? Can you tell us a little 100%. about that? hundred percent. So my first one, we got a, we got a 200, a 2000 gallon truck. That was our very first truck. It's, um, it's pulled by a 750 Ford. So we got a brand new truck. Um, I, I wanted to, you know, I didn't have little to no experience in this industry, so I couldn't find anybody to pretty much finance anything that I had. So when I got the line of credit from Chase, I pretty much took that money, and I strategically bought everything, cashed out on everything. Gotcha. I cashed out on 150 toilets. You know, that right there was about $150,000. The truck itself was about another $150,000, you know what I'm saying, to get the truck that can service it. And then getting all the other permits, certifications, we were initially re- releasing the property. So like I said, that helped us cut down on a huge, you know, chunk of change. So now, like I said, you know, once we got the trucks, we got the equipment to service the. Tr- I mean, we got the trucks, we got the product, you know, and we got a place to protect and 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 get everything situated. Now the rest of the money, you know, about another hundred thousand went to the internal setup. You know, being able to get all the equipment, get the softwares, get the tracking systems, get all that in place. So, you know, once we finished and we got the company going in August, you know. Pretty much all the money initially was spent to get it going. Got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. So what what do you have to do, just to touch on this, in terms of compliance? I mean, it's not CDL, so you don't have to have right, a right. DOT number or motor carrier right, number, right? right. right? So what, what, what compliance is there with waste that you have to kind of have, like certifications? Right, or how right, does right. that work? So the, the biggest thing is with the health department. You know, that that's our that's our police. They watching us. They trying to see, you know. Um, the good thing about what we do and why we're able to be in certain areas, like my company is in the middle pretty much of a neighborhood. Um, and the reason we're able to do that is because waste, since it comes from humans, is considered non-hazardous. 
So, um, like I said, you know, we don't have as many restrictions as a lot of other liquid waste companies have, like a grease company, a septic company, or some other people. So all we have to do is report the amount of waste that we're disposing at the waste treatment facilities. Um, we, 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 we report that on a manifest sheet. We give that to the waste facility. The waste facility then sends it to the health department. The health department checks to make sure that we're, we, you know, we're regulated, that we're meeting all the expectations. So it, it really wasn't too much. You get certified with the health department. You get all the certifications for the trucks. And again, these aren't CDL required trucks. So it's pretty much like you're going to go buy a truck across the street from a Ford dealership or something else. You know, you just got to make sure you got, you know, all the 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 license the license plates you know the registration all those little things and then like I said once the health department comes and makes sure there's no leaks your equipment is good and everything you're really ready to go gotcha are there any costs involved with the health department coming to see you and yeah like yes yeah. so you know the health department my trucks they get they get reviewed every year once a year at the beginning of the year we actually just got them reviewed not too long ago so you know you pay initial fee I believe you know fifteen hundred dollars. And that's what it costs to get three three trucks inspected from us. And then once they're inspected, they're good for the rest of the year. But um, like I said, it's, it's really it's really not too much. Like I said, they just want to regulate, make sure that you're not wasting shit and, and, and waste all over the city. Right. And uh, make sure that you're, you're, you're meeting protocols. But, you know, when we got our minority certifications, our small business certification, our women's own certification, and uh, we got a, a disability certification, um, those were more, you know, in depth than actually getting certified, to, <laughs> excuse me, certified to carry waste. Got you. Okay. So st- we're still at the beginning here as we bring the story along. So 150, uh, toilets, yeah. you have one truck, right? Right. So what's the first job you guys do? How do you get the first job? Is that through the broker? Like how, yeah. how does that work? Yeah. Day so, one, once you get the company up and running. Yeah. So I initially, you know, when I talked to my mom and dad about the company, um, I say, you know, I, I want to reach out to John with the broker's company, but I say, I want to start on our own. I want to, you know, make our foundation where if something went wrong or left, we're not, everything is not in his hands or right. that company's hands. Like we got our own solid foundation of, you know, base of what we built. So the first month and a half and to backtrack to this point, I'm still playing ball. Right. You know, um, this okay. is, this you still is are playing exactly. Ball. Okay. So to this point, like I said, I, I, this was in the middle of COVID. I didn't think we were going to have a season. So that's really how I was able to build the company. Um, you know, I, nobody was working out. Nobody was around nobody at this point. No, everybody was in the house. We were on lockdown. So with me, that's why I had the time to make all these calls and go to Virginia and to go here. And to, I looked in over a thousand porter cans. Like I said, I was, I had time. So, you know, what I did was is, since nobody was really working out and stuff, that's how I built the company. So what happened to me is, is that, um, you know, when John came through, he talked to me and everything. You know, I, I say, John, I'm not sure if I, I'm done playing ball. So um, when August hit, I had a call from an NFL team. August hit. We've been open for a month. It was the end of August. Training camp was in the middle. It was damn near, you know, coming towards the end. Um, the Baltimore Ravens called me. Um, they wanted to work out me. They wanted to work out Dez Bryant. And they had another um, cat or two they wanted to work out. They were looking to bring in a veteran guy who has some presence in the locker room and that can contribute and do some different things. So, you know, my agent and they thought I was a perfect fit for them. They actually tried to sign me the year before. I ended up signing to the New York Giants. But um, Baltimore called me, say, hey, we want to bring you in, work you out, and we think we want to sign you. We're looking for a special team guy that got some leadership. Um, like I said, I immediately called off the phone after I got the phone with my agent. 
I got off the phone with Jim Harbaugh and um, excuse me, I believe it's Jim Harbaugh. It's one of them brothers in Baltimore. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, cool, cool. Got off the Football phone. Guy right, 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 right. <laughs> so I got off the phone with him. I told him about a little bit of what I was doing. He said, man, that's cool. He said, I think you should really think about that. You know, that, that sounds dope. Um, I called my mom. I said, mom, what, what were our sales this month? You know, um, she said, baby, we did 7,000. You know, we a month, we were a thousand away from covering the overhead. Um, immediately at that point, I made the decision. I said, I'm done. So I called my agent back. I said, oh, his name was Overstreet, Brian Overstreet. I said, oh, man, um, you know, um, this is random. I know you're not expecting this because Baltimore had a flight. I called him on Saturday. I was supposed to fly out to Baltimore the next day, Sunday. And I had to be in the hotel for a week, go through COVID and all the, the proto, the, get checked and all that two times before I could have my workout. And then I was going to work out that next week. So I called him and he thought I was calling to ask something about, you know, COVID protocol. And um, I, I said, oh, I'm done. He, what? <laughs> you what? He said, Shep, you know, I don't get this. He said, you can do this for the rest of your life. He said, you can't play football the rest of your life. Mm. I said, oh, I said, man, if I leave this company and I go play ball and I get caught into that life again, I say, I'm not going to be able to, to efficiently, effectively grow my company. I'm not going to be involved. I'm not going to know what's going on. I said, I, I can't do that again. You know, because he's been my agent my whole time. So he knew gotcha. my experience with the dump, with trucks. The dump trucks. So um, he like, all right, Russell. He like, well, you know, you know, I, I, I'm not going to tell him that you're done, but I'm just going to tell him that, like I say, um, you know, something came up or whatever. Next, about two weeks later, he called me back. Hey, Russell, Tennessee calling. Like, Come on, what you doing? Trying to tempt you. What you doing? Like putting the dangle the carrot in front of your face. I told him, I say no. Oh, I say I'm done, man. I say um, this was the month after we got with John. We immediately doubled in sales. We went from eight grand to about twenty, a little bit over twenty that next month. Immediately after working with John, outside of working with construction companies, we were working with corporate companies like HEB. We were working with um, you know Lowe's, Home Depots. Like I said, I mean, it was just he already had that. That track record, he already had those contracts in place. So we immediately, I knew I was done. So that's how I initially, you know, pulled away from ball is because, like I said, we covered them out of overhead and I learned from my last experience. So I literally went from being, um, you know, on the football field and I was our first driver. You you drove the truck. I first drove the truck. Okay. Okay. I just I'm now get, I was getting to that. I'm just now getting out the truck. I drove the truck for the first year and a half, brother. And when I say it was the best thing that ever happened to me, you know, through driving the truck, I was able to to go out there and share my story about who I was and what I did, and I was able to gain a lot of sales and big big contracts because of my story. You know, being able to have those conversations. I was able to go out there and figure out different, um, different, different routing systems, different things that, that we use to this day where I was able to find out from people that work for other companies, you know, dudes that's out there in the field. You know, I was able to, through asking questions and talking to this guy who works for this company and this company, I was able to build what we're trying to build, which is the new norm. You know, the, 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 the we, we're built off safety, communication and service. And those are the three things I heard from every portable toilet truck, every um, portable toilet guy, every owner is that you better you better be safe first. Because if you're out here hurting and killing people, you ain't going to have no business. Communicate because this shit don't stop. Literally, it goes, it pumps seven, <laughs> literally, seven days a week, like I said, and, and it goes nonstop. And then, like I say, service. Service is everything. 
if serve if money and greed becomes more than service, then your company is going to fail at some point. It's going to it's going to go down the drain. So when I heard those three things, I only heard those three things because I was out in the field and these guys were telling me about it. They were giving me games. So like I said, me pulling away from ball, hopping in that truck and learning, I was able to to learn certain things. And fast forward now, man. So we've been open for a year and a half. We're growing extremely. We're the fastest growing waste startup in the state of Texas. Like I said, we've been approached by, we've had two formal offers to be acquired. Um, we had one formal offer. It was a guy who wanted to compete just in case we were serious. But like I said, in a year and a half, like I said, in total to this point, I'm about 800 grand, 850 grand in the company. And like I said, I've already have offers for four or five million dollars. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Again, like I said, we have no debt. Not everything is owned. Like I said, I cashed out on everything, not because I wanted to. I cashed out on everything because they didn't want to give me any any financing because you're a football player. You ain't never did anything in waste. You know, we ain't going to give you. We don't know if you're going to succeed out here. And now I got people trying to throw me money to do anything. They want me to take a Shep Boys to Baton Rouge, take one to Charlotte, take one to Dallas, take one to San Antonio because we have a unique, we have a cult-like culture here. And like I said, we're, we're safe. We, from the product, the the orange on the product to the, the way we train our guys instead of two weeks, we train them eight weeks. Um, we communicate. You know, like I said, you know, I have an HR person from a medical field in here. So she's over communicating. My mom, I'm over communicating. I'm a football guy. I come from a team. Communication is everything in the, in the game of football. And then service, hard work, dedication. We're hiring people um, who want opportunity. We're hiring people who hungry. We're training them right. We're giving them all the resources. We're making them feel good about themselves and what they do. We pay them good. You're going to come, when you come with us, you're starting off at $17 an hour. Like I said, you know, um, and then don't let you have a CDL or you have experience in the industry. You could could get up to $20 an hour. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like I say, you pay well and you put, you create a good culture, you grow well. And I think that's why we're having success early on. Got you. Okay. I want to take it back a little bit. When you, when you had that conversation with your mom and, and, and you asked her how were the sales and she said 7,000, mm-hmm. right? Was that like proof of concept for you to where like, that was like, you just need to hear a number to know you guys were making money for you to say, all right, I'm 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 done with the ball. Right, right, right. See, and I wanted to have a company where the company take care of itself. Okay. Like I said, if I was going to step away from ball, I needed to step away from ball knowing that I had something where it wasn't going to drain me. You know, so like I said, the overhead, when I when I seen that we were down there close to covering our overhead, I said, oh, we have a legit business. Right. Like I said, not saying we're profit, but like I said, we we ain't losing money. You know what I'm saying? So that was the eye opener for me. Most dudes. Now, again, this was year. This that was, I retired year eight. Year eight for me, I'm making one point two, one point three million dollars minimum. So, like I said, I, I see the bigger picture. Most cats in my position be like, man, seven thousand dollars, man. They got for me. I can make a million dollars in four months. I'm not giving that up, <laughs> right? But again, like I said, I, I've already had experience with companies, and I seen, and I seen how quickly. We have no experience. We had to that point. We had no website. We had no marketing. We just out here hitting streets. Hey, we got these restrooms. Hey, and like I said, we was able to put out thirty within the first month. And like I said, we did seven grand. So I seen a bigger picture. Right. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, to this point now, it cost me damn that sixty grand to run the company a month. If we have to buy restrooms or any other equipment, because we've gotten up to a hundred grand a month, and we have to buy equipment plus the overhead to run the company. So like I say. In order to 
to to maintain that type of overhead, you got to be making money. Right. And you got to run efficient. You know, you got to run at a certain level. Got you. Okay. So at that time, starting the business, when you kind of get going a little bit, what does a, a day in the life look like? Just so people could understand how right. your business works. Right, right, right. Because right? right. they, they hear, they hear porta potties, toilets, right, they hear right. trucks that like, right. connect it for us so they can understand operation. Right, right. So for example, I, I'll give you when I first started. When I first started, it was me, my mom, and my dad. My dad was still working for um, one of our, actually, our bigger clients, the Sprint Waste. Um, you know, he worked for them. He had a dump truck on with them and he was driving and he had another driver on for them. So my dad was kind of part time. He worked for us on Saturday and Sundays. My mom was still doing her real estate thing on the side and she was just handling all the sales calls and sending invoices right off the back. So with me, I was the service driver. I was the delivery guy. I was everything right off the back. So my day started at 415. I was waking up at 415 every morning. I still wake up at 415, but I, I wake up at 415. I get to the yard. I'm about five minutes away from my property. We have everything. And I get the trucks prepped. I get everything ready. Um, I look at the service day. My mom and me have a system in place because right off the back, we didn't use any softwares. We were trying to keep the overhead down since we were a startup. So my mom pretty much, she communicated everything on a routing um, on, on through text. Okay. So through text, we have um, the service day. We have the amount of restrooms you have to do. Um, you know, we have the addresses on there. We have um, the, the amount of services they get a week. We have a contact on there just in case we get to the project and they got a, a dumpster in front of the restroom or the site is closed or we're running late. So, you know, through me and my mom, we're able to communicate through text. Like I say, you know, um, she sends me the text the night before. I go over the whole routing system, uh, the routing um, system, the routing schedule for the day. See everything I got, and I'm usually on the road. You know, what I'm saying if I wake up at four fifteen, I'm usually on the road by five thirty. So once I get in that truck, say if I got thirty restrooms and and I got to cover about seventy five, you know, square miles, you know, it's going to usually take me from about five thirty until about seven thirty, eight thirty. At night. So, okay. you know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a 10 plus hour day. You know, how, so, how many fit on the truck at one time? So that's the thing. When you, when you, when you, when you're servicing them, see after the first month we had 30 restrooms out. So, you know, once I, once my day starts in the morning, I'm not carrying any restrooms. Now my day is I'm servicing. Okay. So like I said, I got 30 restrooms on my routing schedule. So, you know, now I got 30 stops. Okay. You know, some stops have one restroom. Some stops have six restrooms. Some stops have hand wash stations. They don't even have restrooms. Some stops have waste tanks. Some stops have water tanks. So each stop, you got different things. And the service trucks can handle all of the the the, the, the rentable items you have on each site. So mm. like I said, once you wake up, once I, I get started with my day at 530, you know, I'm pretty much hitting a stop. You know what I'm saying? And once you get to the stop, we train our guys. Once you get to the site, we like to be very hands-on. We don't like to mess with the, the 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 builders, the developers when they're working. So like I say, you know, we got extra hoses on our sites. I mean, on our trucks, you know, um, um, vacuum hoses. So if a, a rest, if something's in the way, you can connect the hose and you can get somewhere to it. You know, we got dollies on the truck. So if we got to pull the restrooms to us. We got high pressure water hoses. So if you get to a restroom and it's been flipped over by a kid, you can rinse it all down. You know, we got Clorox, we got industrial cleaning products. So, you know, as you go to each stop, you know what I'm saying? Each stop requires a different type of, you know, um, maintenance, a different type of service. So like I said, you know, as I, I was learning on the move, but like I said, I was working from pretty much from August 
until by January of 2021, I was working six days a week and I was working 12 to 15 hours a day. Mm. And my dad hop in the truck and our biggest client is on Sunday. They're the Williams brothers. They do about 75% of all highways and major intersections in the state of Texas, not in Houston, in the state of Texas. You know, that company is a billion dollar company. So we got like 40 restrooms with them just alone right now. We could have a hundred with them by the end of the year, just with them. So my dad handled that account on Sunday by himself. Cause that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a hard account. So like I said, I did Monday through Saturday. He did Sunday. And I did that from, like I say, August until, you know, January of 2021. And then after that, we got a second truck after the first six months of really being open. And then that's when me and my dad became the two primary drivers for the next six months until we start hiring people to do what we do. Got you. Okay. So the, so the main operation is more so servicing the restrooms. Servicing. So what about when the restrooms get initially delivered? How, how does so, that work? So you got a delivery truck. We have a delivery truck. Our delivery truck, um, it's a Zuzu tr- delivery truck. It's typical standard delivery truck. Um, you know, so when people call for our restrooms, we, you know, we drop them. So if somebody calls and say, I need two restrooms, we'll ask them, when do you mobilize? When does your site start? When do you need the restrooms? And um, we deliver them. So the service trucks on a different serve, a different schedule than a delivery truck. Okay. So right off the back, I was doing a little bit of everything. Like I said, I'll, I'll make the deliveries in the morning. You know what I'm saying? If I had to go drop deliveries in Sugarland, I'll have to wake up at 3.30 now. Mm-hmm. And I got to wake up, get the delivery truck prep. Get to Sugarland, which is about 45 minutes away from where I'm at, drop all the product, and then I got to get back to the yard and I got to hop in the service truck because now, to this, now we have about 400 things that we service on a weekly basis. You know, when we first started, again, like I said, we started off after the first month, I was servicing 30 things you know, throughout the week. So I had more time to drop something off and get back to the yard and still go clean 30 restaurants around Houston. Now we have a delivery guy and that's all he does. He drops things off and he picks restrooms and other rentable things up throughout the day. Okay. So you, you talked about construction sites. What are some of the, some of the other places where you're dropping these restrooms off or so people can get an idea of all right. the different places that use these these restrooms? Right, right. So we, we service a little bit of everything. You know, construction is majority of what we do. Um, but like I said, from special events, special events being any birthday party, carnival, um, it, it, it it can be um, a marathon, anything that's not construction related, we call a special event. You know, so like we got people that call for birthdays. They just need them for a few hours. They don't want people in their houses. You know, COVID has created a new norm. People are very protective over their privacy and their, their close areas. So, you know, after the COVID, in the midst of COVID, there was a huge spike in people wanting portable toilets for their residential homes, mm. you know, for birthday parties and, you know, in the backyard. And they don't want people coming through the house and all that. So we get a good mixture of long term and short term, you know, sales. Long term being, like I said, if somebody's building a skyscraper downtown, that restroom is probably going to be there for, you know, two to four years. You know, depending on how high that, that thing is going in the sky, no different than the highway, you know. Um, and then, like I said, we got the short term things where like they just need it for a few hours. So, you know, with us diversifying ourselves, you know, we don't want to be too much of one thing. We don't want to be too much of long term in the sales, because if you're too much on the long term on sales, you don't have a good mixture of, of, of sales. Like I said, we want to be about 75 percent long term. That's a heavy residual um, income where we don't have to worry if we made 100, 100 grand last month already going into the next month. We want 
we we want 80 to 75 grand of that to already go into the next month. Mm -hmm. So that's what the construction do for us. It creates us the residual income, the mailbox money, as they say, mm -hmm. you know, um, and then on the flip side, the short term, the special events, as we call them, that gives us the we can we can we can flip them. You know, we can put a restroom out four or five times in one month. And make you know two thousand dollars, you know fifteen hundred dollars off one restroom. But if a restroom's on one site for a whole month, like I said, you know you're gonna make the initial two hundred dollars, and then it the billing cycle starts over every twenty eight days. Mm. So whether you have it for twenty eight days or you got it for an hour, it's gonna be the same pricing. Got you, got you. When you're thinking about your pricing, are you? Are you lumping like your transportation costs into that pricing? Like, cause you have to move around and, right, and obviously right, right, service right. all these vehicles. Is there an additional cost for service? Is that just a part of the having the, the porta potty? Like, how does how does that work pricing wise? Right, right. So pricing price billing is a very interesting thing. You know, billing is a job within itself. You know, my mom has gotten pretty good where she can handle that and kind of handle a few other things. But uh, we just hired somebody else inside to handle pretty much just billing itself. So, you know, with billing it it, it varies. You know, with, with our products Take a portable toilet for a restroom. If a portable toilet gets serviced one time a week, it's going to be about one twenty-five. Okay, you know, just starting off off rip. If the portable toilet is in the city, in the city limits, now you got a franchise fee. So that's another about three four percent added on to that. Um, if the restroom is outside of our service area, which we get again, we cover we cover about a fifty mile service area, and we cover seventy five. Miles, um, 75 miles service area. But once you get out of 50, then we add none per mile. Mm. So like I say, as depending on where the site's located, the type of service you want, you know, um, it, it, it varies. The pricing varies. So like I say, you could, it starts off at 125. But after, like I say, you know, where you're at, um, the type of service you want, the delivery and drop, the delivery and pickup fee. Like I said, we, we're typically getting about $200 at minimum with every restroom. Now you start to add in, you want wheels on the restroom. You know, you want a restroom, you know, that has space where you can throw, you know, wheelchairs in there, regulated, you know, for, you know, Government-like events, you know, it's going to continue to go up. So with us, it depends on the service and product. That's how we kind of determine, and mileage, how we determine, you know, the pricing. And the customer determines how, how much they how much service they want. Like, they could say, come every week, or they could say, come once a month, or probably based on usage, or is it like recommendations right. you give them? So we got a standard. We don't give them too much. You know, you give them too much, like I said, they're going to tell you come <laughs> once like, a month. Come once next a, year. Right, right. One, one, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, you know, typically with our standard standard pricing, the 125 before you add on the delivery, the franchise fees and all fees and all that, like with that 125 like I said, you're going to get at least a once a week service. Again, this is our product. Our, our name is on this. So if we allow them to you know dictate how we service then our product is going to 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 feel that whether it's good or bad you know if they want us to come once every month then again when people open up our product and see our service that's a representation of Shep boys not Turner construction not DPR construction they're going to look at Shep boys so again we encourage you know twice a week service so we can maintain a a good, clean restroom, the more myself and my guys can get their eyes and their hands on our product out in the field, the better we can maintain that five-star service. You know, we've been open again, like I said, a year and a half. To this point, we got 
24, 25, five star reviews. Um, and again, uh, we are we're second most five star reviews in the Houston area. Oh wow. Um the the number the the number one um the number one company that has the most reviews in the Houston area is Zeters. <laughs> okay. John's company. That's funny. And they got a hundred and about fifty. But John Company is they've been open for 10 years. Yeah. So again, that was another thing that we found out is that if we if we create a good service and we get good reviews, then like I said, we can people are gonna go to our website and say, Oh, they don't have any four star, no three star. They have no two star reviews. Everybody's speaking negative. Our next competitor that's locally, they got 30 reviews. I mean, excuse me, they got 30 reviews and they've been open for 25 years. Wow. Wow. We have, we have a goal of having a hundred, hundred reviews, a hundred five star reviews by the end of this year. Right. So again, like I say, doing our research and seeing how, how, how they're just, they're, they're not giving that level of standard, you know, that level of service, we're able to win from a marketing, you know, a, a service and just, just an overall company standpoint. Got you. Talk, talking about service and servicing these toilets, um, is, is this a dirty job? Like, is this something to where, like, you know, if somebody get into it, because automatically you think waste. It's right, like, right, right, right. You right. know, a bunch of things come into your mind. Right, 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 right. right, so right, right. Talk, talk about that and actually like working in the operation. Like, is it is it as difficult as it seems, or is it is it not as difficult? Does the technology make it easier right. or the, the truck? Tell me a little about that. Very efficient. You know, that was the biggest thing. You know, me coming from the football field and jumping in the truck, I, I, that was what I wanted to know. What, what am I dealing with? Because if you don't know what you're dealing with, you're not going to know how to properly hire. You know, you're not going to, you know, you're going to have a high turnaround. Dudes are going to be complaining all the time. So when I hopped in the truck, I was astonished. I was amazed about how efficient the equipment is. You know, again, you got to think about it. You know, this is a this is a trillion dollar industry. You know, waste whether it's physical, it's it's liquid. You know, this stuff isn't going anywhere. So, if you're dealing with that type of money, the equipment got to be efficient. You know, you're dealing with with trash trucks that pick up people, residential companies. Those trucks can't be broke on the side of the road. <laughs> they can't be getting stuck here and stuck here. They got to be efficient. They got to be good, efficient equipment. So when I did my research from trash trucks, um, from from um, vacuum trucks like what we deal with, everything was saying it's efficient. There's no heavy wear and tear on the trucks. You know, the the, the trucks are the pumps. They pull. You don't get any waste on you. You know, I I was surprised when I first started going to these these waste disposal sites to dispose the waste. That's where the guys kind of meet up and they talk as they're waiting for their truck to get, you know, pumped out. Um, they got they got Gucci shades on. <laughs> they got they got they got J's on their feet. They got Dre beats. You real talk, real talk. So you know, like I say, you know that 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 told me that first off that the trucks are efficient and that these people are making money. And I know they're making money because they're paying them good. You go to McDonald's, you go to any fast food restaurant, you know, you can see how you, how the, the employees are being treated by simply by their attire. You know, um, what they, you know, what they lead, what they drive away in, right. you know, all those things, you know, it, it's showing you what's a, what, what they're afforded, what they can afford in their lifestyle. So like I said, when I'm going to these sites and I'm talking to these guys who drive shit trucks for a living, this cat's telling me they're making eight, $75,000, $85,000 a year. They got another company on the side, a little trucking company they do. They've been with the company the last 15 years. They got benefits. You know, they got all this. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is one of the best kept secrets in American history. You know, I, I call it, 
And I tell all my NFL partners from a time, Matthew, um, Mike Evans, everybody that I talk to about this, I say, I've, I, I feel like I've discovered liquid gold. Mm. Yeah, cause it, and, and truth be told, you know, when we had the, um, when we had the ice storm in, in, in the South last year, February 7th, I believe, about almost a week away from it. Um, if I had enough equipment, cause again, the, everybody pipes burst. The South isn't built for that weather like that. So everybody pipes were bursting in their homes, at their businesses, you know, so people couldn't wash their hands. They couldn't use the bathroom. I had a use a bathroom on that day alone um, last year. I had about 3000 calls over a week. I could have made them their million dollars that week. Wow. But like I said, I didn't have the equipment. I didn't have enough. Nobody it caught everybody off guard. So, you know, in this industry, we do well when things are are good, when people are, are living good, they're making that money. We do extremely well when there's catastrophic things, when hurricanes come, when um, ice storms hit, fires on the west coast, um, when when things happen that are that that really harm other businesses. When COVID happened, we had spike. People calling, H-E-B calling for 30 hand, 50 hand wash stations. People calling for um, um, hand wash, I mean, a restroom because their pipes burst. They need to use the bathroom at their house. So, like I said, that's what I didn't realize until I got into it and I experienced something like that. You know, something that was affected the whole community is that we do well when when times are really bad. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not normal in most most industries. Yeah. What What can go wrong in this business? What keeps you up at night? It's expensive. You don't stop. So, you know, for example, like I say, when you caught guys, I had, you know, I had guys running routes earlier today, you know. So, you know, like I said, the overhead maintaining this beast, you know, um, you know, being able to keep people safe because they don't stop, you know, um, training guys. I, I think the biggest thing with us is safety. That's why safety is number one thing. If you don't train these guys right, if your equipment is not is, is not right, if you're not taking care of your equipment, your with your product, whatever you got, people can get hurt, people can get sick. And then like I say, from that point, now you become you come liable. The government, the city needs to get you off the streets because you know we're you know, we're essential. They need us in order to operate to it's it's a federal law that you need a porter a porta potty on a construction site. It is a federal law. If they don't have that on that site, they're going to get fined. And if they keep coming back, they're going to shut that project down. Mm. You know, it's like cement. It's like clay. It's the like when you're building, waste management is just that much of a part of it. So, again, it's so ongoing. If you don't train these guys right, if your equipment is not on point, you can really get somebody hurt and you can you know pretty much have your business shut down. Got you. So. You 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 do the porta potties and then you start expanding into other products. Right, right, right. So right. so tell me about some of the products that you expanded into and then why? What what was the expansion about? Did you see other people were you modeling somebody else? Right. Like where'd you get the ideas to create these new products? And talk about right. that a little bit. Right, right. So, you know, after the first six months, well six months, you know, we got our first acquired letter. We got it from United Site Services. Um you know, they, you know, we, at that point, you know, we were only doing um, portable toilets and hand wash stations. We had a few waste tanks. So we had three rentable items to that point. But as I got to drive, I got to learn that um, a lot of these construction sites, they, they pay people to bring water to them. They pay people to store water for them. Um, the water tanks, you know, and we see them every day, but we don't even have no clue what they are. So 
as I got to, you know, talking to different owners and operators, I learned that the water goes hand in hand with the porta potties and all the other stuff. So we, we of, of probably the last about six months, you know, um, we jumped into the water tank industry. So, you know, we outside of doing the porta potties, the hand wash stations and the waste tanks, um, we do the water tanks. And with the water tanks, what makes those so unique is that you know, you, we pretty much charge, we charge a dollar a gallon when we take waste. So when somebody say, hey, Russell, I have an RV camper. I need you to suck it, you know, to drain the waste tank from the RV camper. Um, we're going to ask how big is the, is the tank? It's 30, it's 30, it's 30, 30 gallons. Okay, then. So off the back is going to already be $30 because right. we're a dollar a gallon. So on the flip side with the water, when we, when we bring water to sites, we charge a dollar a gallon. So, you know, when I got to looking at the size of these water tanks on these big construction sites, these water tanks were 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 gallon. Some get up to 10,000 gallon water tanks if you're building a big enough, you know, um, development. So, like I say, you know, I originally had a company reach out to me. They said we needed a, a 3,000 gallon water tank and we need you to bring water to it water to it every week and um and we tried it and uh, we were able to do it man and you know um we had so much success with it you know now outside of just doing the water tanks we do motorized water tanks we do water tanks from 150 gallons all the way up to 5,000 gallon water tanks and uh we like i said we simply just dropping water into that tank and they're able to they connect their their trailers they connect their modules their storage containers they have like faucets bathrooms inside of them they connect the water tank to those and um the 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 water tank is able to to pretty much push water through their modules and their trailers so now they can wash their hands use the bathrooms so like i said the water tanks pretty much is their water source on these construction sites because a lot of these construction sites don't have any plumbing underneath ground. Mm. They don't have any any source that gets water to the modules. Like I said, they got computers in there. That's their, that's their, their office, you know, while they build the projects. So we supply the water and then the waste tanks catch the water in the waste as um they, they you know, it goes down the drains or, you know. Where, where do you get the water from? We get the water from our site. So, you know, the unique thing about our property, you know, and we didn't notice originally when we got the property, but some properties have water wells underneath. So when you have a water well underneath, you know, you, you don't have a water bill. So, you know, um, when I when, when we when we got we found out we had a water well probably a, a month or two after getting the property. And then, um, like I said, we didn't know what we were going to do with it. We just, <laughs> right. we just thought it was cool. We didn't have a water bill. <laughs> you know, we, we, like I said, we transport anywhere from seven to 10,000 gallons of waste, um, a week. And we transport probably another about five to 7,000 gallons of water a week. You know, so, um, again, we knew that we were saving on a yearly basis a couple thousand dollars a year in a water bill, like I said. Um, but once we found out that we can charge for the water and how much they were charging for the water after talking to other owner operators, because again, I'm a football player, you know, people want to, they want to, they want to know about my story. So I'm able to call owner of Smooth Moves, owner of Tankalots, owner of this porter potty company and say, hey, what are you doing? What do you don't like? What do you like? And all of them kept saying, hey, since you're a young company, man, water. We sell water. So, you know, the water has been something new to us. We've been doing it for um, now probably about, let's say, about almost six months. And um, it's one of the best things. Um, it has, it's, it's second 
to the highest margins. We get, our, you know, the, the highest margin thing we do is the restroom trailers, which we get into. But the water tanks, like I said, we're charging a dollar a gallon. We don't have a water bill. And we're simply charging them to take the water, put it in the water tank. And um, it's, it's really one of the easiest things we do. And like I say, it's just it's just it's amazing because, again, you would never think that people are charging for water. Yeah. I mean, and it was sitting there right under the property for you. You didn't even know what she was going to do with 100%. it. And, that, and then that, there you go. All right. Cool. So and you also said that you remove waste for people. So that's that's separate from even having 100%. like servicing your toilets. 100%. So that's another business. 100%. Model. So so the, the, we have we're, we're a technically a site service company, a rentable site service company. So we we we, we rent out portable toilets, you know, hand wash stations, all the all this other stuff. But the trucks make money themselves. So the trucks are a form of, of service as well, where if an RV trailer, a restroom trailer, a, a shower trailer, um, if it needs to be drained, they call us. So like I say, you know, that was the thing that I loved about this industry is that I had so many other ways to make money. I wasn't just, you know, you know, cutting hair. I only, you know, all I can do is cut your hair or, right. uh, you know, when I was in dump truck stuff, you know, I, all I did was haul sand you know, gravel, dirt, you know, I didn't really do any other thing. Well, with this, you know, to this point in our, in our, our short existence, you know, we do probably about almost 10, 10 services, wow. you know what I'm saying? So we have, like I say, a, a, a big span at an early age. So like I say, you know, the, the, excuse me, the, um, the, the water tanks, man, they're, they're just so, they're just another facet where as you continue to put these water tanks out, like I say, now you got to go get a water truck. You got to go get, add other equipment to it because, like I say, on these sites, people, these are things that people don't see. They look at a construction site, all they see is the building. But in order to run that building, you need restrooms so the guys can build. You need a waste tank that can connect to the module. You need a water tank that can push water through the module so they can have their meetings. They can have all their stuff inside. You need temporary fencing, which we're going to hop into in another at some point this year. Temporary fencing that goes around the site to close it off from the public. You know what I'm saying? Like there's these are everyday simple things that they're there for months. They're residual. And like I say, um, it's almost like you try to monopolize the actual site project and get as many of your products on that actual site. Mm, got you. Got you. That's crazy. So out of those 10 different, you know, things like you're vertically, vertically integrated, what, what's like if you said the highest margin thing is a portable restroom? Yeah. So the restrooms are the bread and butter. Okay. They're the things that go the most. Like I say, they, they don't give you the highest margins. We're close to about 50% margin with the restrooms. We could get up to 70% if they want three or four services a week with one restroom. But at minimum, you know, we're about 50% if they just want once a week service and um, they're not too far out there where we're not spending too much gas and manpower. But, um, the best thing I learned is we were getting into the restroom trailers. Yeah, so, restroom trailers. you know, we got the fancy restroom trailers. Um, you know, they got the fault, you know, they, the mobile restroom trailers, they got AC in them. They got the radio in them. You know, they got faucets in them, you know, um, those are good. So, you know, those are the highest margins things we get, you know, um, now they don't move as often because they're expensive. I, we got a two station in the back and um, just to move the two station when that's $2,000 just to get it to wherever you need. Once you, you know, we got a service where we have a guy with it at your event. We have services where we can do other things with it too. And it gets, gets, goes higher and higher, but I love the restroom trailers. We had a four station one out for three weeks and we made them that $10,000 off of wow. pretty much $3,000 every week. And you literally just sit it there you find a, a electrical source, 
you found a water source and it sits there. You know, I'm not as proud. I'm not proud of this. I told you just earlier, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like I said, we're business. We do, we do good business. We don't, we don't hold nothing. But like our four station one, it went down, um, to a, a Trump convention. You know, um, he had a, um, he had a, a rally. Um, this past, not rally, excuse me. He had a convention where he's speaking at, um, the George R. Brown Convention Center downtown and, um, they ordered it. Like I said, and it'll be there for, it's actually done. It was there from 11 to one and we made $3,000 off of that. Mm. Like I said, and it, and it'll come back to the yard tomorrow. And like I said, it'll go back out probably another week or two. Yeah. 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 Crazy. What, what, what have you taken from your athletic career in, in, into entrepreneurship? What, what kind of, uh, you know, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, I can't think of the word I want to use, but the the just in terms of your your work ethic, just the different things you took from ath- ath- right. sports. H- how do they apply to entrepreneurship? Right. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing with me, I would just have to say, is just the discipline. You know, being a, making it to that level, you know, um, when you're playing professional sports, making it to any level when you're top tier, when you're that guy, whether it's podcasts, it's journalism, it's, it's entrepreneurship, it's professional sports, you know, discipline is required. You know, you, you got to be consistent with that discipline. You got to understand what you're trying to build. You got to be strategic with it and you got to, you got to follow the course, stay, stick to the plan. And, um, you know, athletes, they, they, we walk a, a very thin line of confidence and cockiness. You know, and, and, and that's, that's very important because as you go through your athletic journey, you go through things, you know, injuries, um, um, family issues, personal issues, finance, whatever, you know, um, so you, you need to be able to stay resilient and stay, stay true to whatever the plan is. Cause you don't get nowhere by yourself without a plan. You know, I don't care for sports, business. Everybody got a plan. Athletes, their business plan probably don't look like an entrepreneur's business plan, but he got a workout schedule. He got um, he got goals. How he's gonna attain these goals? He got he got things that he has to do to get to, to meet these goals. So, being able to to take that that discipline, that that consistent. Um, the consistency of being just hard, just being a hard worker, being a sponge, being disciplined, being a team guy. You know, all these things are sports. I learned these from football, you know, being able to work with the team, you know, being able not being a micromanager. You know, I was able to get all that from working. I mean, for doing football for the last 25 years. So, you know, when I got to the business side and it took a lot to get these, this going, you know, like I said, most people, you know, in my situation, they would hire somebody allowed them to to do it and me just sit back. But I wanted to be in the truck and I wanted to create a service where I can, I can like fast forward us. I can be, nobody going to clean these restrooms like I was. Right. Like I say, cause like I said, it's not there. It's not their thing. So like I said, I knew if I got in and if I can do it and do it at a high level over a certain period of time, like I said, I know at some point I'll be able to grow it organically. And um, that's kind of what happens. So I just think, like I said, it's being, Consistent with what you do, hard work, discipline. You know, those those are the that's the to me the the core of entrepreneur. Gotcha. You said you started the company a year and a half? Like a year that? and a half ago. We started uh August third of two thousand twenty. Okay. So today, what does Shep Boys look like? How many employees do you guys have? How many trucks do you have? How many restrooms do you have out there? Can you give us an example yeah. of yeah, yeah, you know, what you guys have asset wise? hundred percent, hundred percent. So right now we have seven people on staff full time. 
Um, we have you know, three people that we contract work with. Um, you know, the contract work are more so mechanics, people that we don't need on on staff full time. We just kind of need them when there's a problem. Um, you know, we got a tire man that's kind of a you know a contract worker, but. Like I said, we got seven people full time on staff. Um, you know, to this point, we have about 400 rentable items out that we service on a weekly basis. Um, you know, we, it's about, it takes about three, three guys to service those on a weekly basis. Um, we got one guy who does all, do all pickups and our, you know, drop offs. He's our service guy. And, um, you know, that's, that's, we'll add another one of those in probably another about six months. But like I said, you know, with what, what, what we do is scheduling. It's it's like trash pickup. You know, you people don't know what time they trash being picked up, but they know the trash is going to get picked up on Tuesday or Thursday. Yeah. You know, and so with us, that's how we operate. You know, we have service days and um, people expect us on them service days. They don't really trip too much, you know, on what time you come in or, you know, how late you come. They just want you to come. You know, we have some specialty things where we have to be there at a certain time, gates locked up or, you know, you can't come doing that. But like I said, with us, between, like I said, I got I got five guys outside and I got two people in, inside the building who handle all the internal stuff, the building cycles, the sales and all the things that go inside. But between us five guys outside, we make sure we maintain all the deliveries. We do all the service. We maintain the, the uh, upkeep of the, the product on the property. You know, when you get the restrooms and all the holding tanks, all the stuff back from, you know, being rented out. Now that's a whole nother thing. We got to service them. Mm. You know, we got to take care of them. So, you know, ideally three service drivers, one delivery driver. We got a yard man, you know, and then we got two ladies inside. We handle all the sales, all the logistics that come with running the company from the inside internally. Got you. You said last month was your highest grossing yeah, yeah. month, right? So we had a we had a, we had a historic month in Ship Boys. We did about eighty five grand last month. Um, like I said, of that, you know, about seventy five grand of that is residual. So, you know, of that 75 grand, you know, um, majority of that is the restrooms, you know, the waste tanks, some water tanks. And then we, you know, the, the restroom trailers and all that, it's just cream on the top. Mm. Like I say, that's not residual, but like I said, when we get those things out, especially as we get into rodeo, we get into the wedding season, you know, we get in where we're going to be able to move them pretty regularly. So, you know, right now, like I say, the beautiful thing is that we're making a profit we're able to to we're able to pay our guys and our and our ladies well. You know, we're able to save up capital. You know, that's what you experienced in COVID. A lot of people didn't they weren't they they their margins weren't high, so they weren't saving money. So when they got shut down for six months, four months, three months, the businesses were going bankrupt. You know, so with us is outside of, you know, you know, safety, communicating and service, you know, we want to run an efficient business. We want this thing to pretty much run itself. You know, because after we do this for a few more years, we're going to duplicate this process and we're going to take it to other places and, um, you know, kind of pop them up throughout the southeast region. No doubt. And this is a fam- family business, right? Family business. How, how, your mom still works here as, 100%, works with you as 100%. well, right? How, how is it working with family, man? Because I know a lot of people struggle with that. How, yeah. how, how do you guys, how do you balance that? Man, it's tough. We argue, we laugh, we talk. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I say, you got to separate the, the family stuff. You know, you got to allow the business to be business and family to be family. You know, so with us, we had to learn that. You know, when I did the dump trucking business, first off, I wasn't hands on. You know, I'm a micromanager at heart, you know, even though I try not to be, that's what I am. So like right. I said, you know, when I came on full time to do this, you know, my dad, who is my dad, my hero, 
you know, he I learned from him, you know, me and him butt heads. You know, I want to clean this way. He want to clean this way. I want to drive this way. He want to drive this way. You know, um, so, you know, but but when you're on the same page and um the the as they say, the vision, the goals are the same, you're gonna align. You're just gonna it's gonna have some friction here and there, you know. So with me and him from an outside standpoint, we we had our things, but we all shared the same vision, the same goal, and that was being dependable, safety, and communicating, you know what I'm saying? So we got on the same page, you know what I'm saying? And like I said, the feelings are out of it. Right. So like I said, if I say something as a CEO, he understands it. He takes out the the father aspect. He takes out that this is my son. If you always look at, if he looks at me like this is my son and I give him constructive criticism, he's not going to receive it. So like I say, you know, we we all had to take a back seat. I had to learn how to accept their their, their opinion. Even though I'm the financial guy who invested in it, you know, they, they, they equity owners in this. You know, that's what I wanted to do for them. They earned it. They sweat equity. They worked their butts off. He quit his, he sold his company. Quit, you know, sold all his stuff, quit his job he had, and, and he came on. My mom did the same thing. So, like I said, I have to accept what they, how they feel and what they got to say because it takes a team. You know what I'm saying? But it's beautiful, man. You know, my mom is, you know, I don't, me and her are very like-minded. I don't experience too many issues with her. My dad is a, he's a, a cowboy. So, um, you know, I got to, he's a cowboy slash safety man. You okay. know, he, he handles all the safety. On the the he wears all the hats and all Spur, that. All that? All that, bro. He's a cowboy. So he's a wild cat. But like okay. I said, it, it, it works good. You know, the biggest thing is that I wanted to empower my family. If my, if my little cousin, you know, seen my restroom in the hood, I want him to be proud. His name on that. When my mom and daddy, um, you know, they're in their 50s now. My mom will be 50 this year. You know, sorry, mom. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I want her to to ride into the sunset whenever she wants to. I want her to 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 not have to worry about, you know, um, um, how I'm going to provide, how I'm going to do for myself and my family as I get older and I can't work all day and night. So ideally, you know, we want to keep this in the family. So, you know, like I said, we can we can generational wealth, as they say. You know, these companies grow. The biggest company in the Houston market, uh, we got 400 restrooms out right now. The biggest company just in Houston, it's not even a national company, uh, they got 20,000 restrooms. Wow. I told you the numbers we're doing with 400 restrooms. You know, 400 restrooms, we pretty much get $200, $200 off each restroom. That puts us at about $80,000 a month. 20,000 restrooms, getting them to $200 off each restroom, you're talking about $50, 60000000 million a year. You know what I'm saying? If not, my math ain't right. Please, please check it. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I'm low. If, if not, I'm not too high. Right. So that's just my thing is that, like I say, this stuff isn't going anywhere. The longer you keep these companies, you just keep getting more restrooms go out, more, more mailbox money as they go. As soon as I get a restroom back, one going back out. You know, as soon as I, I master one thing, now we're doing temporary fencing. You know, now we can do grease. We can do septic. So, you know, just the... Potential is, is 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 crazy when you talk about these companies. I love it, man. A year and a half in business and and, and the growth has been amazing. I love what you're doing in terms of your branding. You Appreciate talked about that generational wealth, making sure the family name is uh-huh. is on there and being con- continued and kind of passed passed down. Do you talk to your kids about entrepreneurship? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I got a five year old and I got a three year old. Okay. You know, that's big with me, man. I I want them to be exposed to more. You know, that's that's. That's the beautiful thing about being in a mixed area, a mixed, you know, culturally, you know, friendly areas that I see how people, how they come up. 
and I see how they're making it from from the, the Spanish culture, you know, from from people from the Middle East, people from you know from 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 Asia, wherever. Is that it takes a family. You know, we're one of the last because of things, you know, that have happened throughout throughout black history where we're the way we are. But when we come together, man, it's crazy what we can do. Mm. You know, people joke about, you know, um, certain things that go on other cultures and how they operate and having too many people in this car or this many people <laughs> in this house. Yeah. And um, honestly, what it comes down to is that they're strategically building. They're living in the house, not because they want to, it's because they're saving. It's because they're working together. It's because they, they we, we living together. We work at the same job. Now we, we can drive the work together. You know, now I can live with you. You've been in America for the last, you know, five, six years. Now I can live with you for two or three years, save up, get my family over here. Now, now my family's over here. You know, my wife's working too. I'm working. My kids help here and there outside of doing school and learning this English or this, whatever. You know, now I got more incomes, people helping. So now I I have a house. Uh, we Not only have a house, I, I'm building my house in the hood. You know, that's what the Spanish community is doing. I'm just being honest with you. They, you know, they, they're coming over here. They're, they're working for these big construction companies and they're learning how to build. And they're learning how 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 to to build these things, and they they saving, and now they going to the hoods, whether it's it's, it's where you at, where I'm at, and they building up the hoods, mm. they building them up, and you have other cultures that are coming through, and they're buying these properties, and like I said, that's how the Spanish community is thriving in the, in the, the the South, and like I said, now their kids are going to college, their kids are now not just hard labor people, they're they're in they're 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 government jobs, they're politicians. You know, they're, they're taking that next step. So to me, it is very important that I expose my kids to more than just football and entertainment. They need to know how a business operates. They need to inherit a business. They need to inherit, you know, um, 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 529s. They need to in- inherit, you know what I'm saying, equity and things. Like I said, we, we, need, to, we, don't, we need to stop leaving our babies, our, our future with nothing. And start doing the groundwork so we can leave them with, with everything. A hundred percent. So you said you've already been offered a few a, a few uh, times for acquisition, like yeah. three million, five million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a number? Yeah. Well, you know, ideally, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I want to hold this for the next 15, 20 years. I'll be honest with you. I probably want to hold it for as long as I could. You know, to my kids, don't want to do it. You know, um, we pretty much the last time I got evaluation, I was told conservatively, you know, just with the market we're in and how we're growing, we'll double in sales over the next five to 10 years. You know what I'm saying? You know, after talking to people who have these companies for 20, 30 years, I've talked to people and they've doubled in sales for the 15 years. So like I said, you know, we hold it for 15, 20 years. It will be, it will be a number that that will probably entertain me, but the money isn't what I'm trying to get. You know, like I said, um, ideally I want to build this, have this in the family, for as long as I can, you know, build that generational. Or I can employ cousins, kids, friends of families. You know, um, like I told you, the company that got 20,000 restrooms, they got 80 service trucks. They got a lot of people they employ. You know what I'm saying? They got people and they got another about 40 people inside the building that they employ. So if I keep it a long, longer time, I'll be able to provide more opportunity for my community. Mm. But I, ideally with me learning, I'm in the early stages of going and starting another one in a different market. You know, uh, whether it's I take a portable toilet company to Baton Rouge and do it with some of my LSU guys, 
you know, put a little, you know, a little touch, add them guys to it to give it some pop. Or I start another company in Houston, a medical waste company, a, a grease company. You know, I could say I, I'm going to do another one. Like I said, I just I'm probably about another year or two away from being able to step away from this and you know start something else. What makes you so transparent with information, man? Like you, you freely right. just give the game and you know let people inside of your business. What, what, why have you always been that way, just as a person, or? Well, you ain't going to learn if people don't tell you. You know, I'm, I'm straightforward. Like you said, I'm transparent. You know, my dad is is as unfiltered as they come in a good way. He get game. Everybody in the hood, everybody, every young man and young lady in my family, you know, they know Big Shep. He going to teach them how to go out here and get money. And like I say, so not so you can shine, so you can, so you can, you can put on the family, so your family can be taken care of. You know, like I said, so I think with me is I'm, I'm big on information. Like I told you, you know, I, since day one, like I said, understanding how the opportunity is in professional sports, I knew that I had to learn, I had to be a sponge. So, you know, if, if it wasn't for people giving me information, I wouldn't even be in this spot. Yeah. You know, like I said, not too many people are able to, to, to say no to professional sports. Usually professional sports say no to you. Mm. You know, you kind of go until you can't go no more and they say, all right, then. You probably need to look at something else. So the fact that I was able to find something and I was able to tell the million dollar slave owners, no, you know, um, I, I understand that how big this is, not just for me, for my community. So I want as many young brothers to, to start waste, tr- waste companies, trash trucks, medical waste, paper mill. I, I, talk, I met with a guy a few weeks ago. And to this point, he sold four companies. He sold a, um, he, he sold a medical waste company. He sold one residential and commercial trash pickup company. Um, and then the third company he sold was a paper shredding company. So every bank, every hospital, every place, you know, when they they throw that paper in the shredded drums, you know, there's companies that go and collect that shredded paper. And they take that shredded paper to a recycle plant. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And like I say, it's, 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 but it's simple. It's every day. You want people want to think about it. Right. Like I tell you, Greece, people frying stuff every day. You know, if you got 10 dump trucks, 10, 18 wheelers, man, do something different. You know, diversify your stuff. Go get your grease truck. Go get your septic truck. You know, you water every water, every um, car wash. They got grit. It's it's a buildup that they get from the cleaning products and, and the water. The grit at underneath every car wash got to get sucked out by a vacuum truck. You can go do grit. Like I say, there's there's so many things out here, so many opportunities where we can make money, and as a community, because we're family, we the 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 urban culture, the the black culture, who we are, we do better when we together, not separate. And if we come together and we can do these type of companies, man, we, we, we it'll take us to the next level. Because like I said, the waste managements, the United Site Services, these billion dollar companies, they just want you to get it started, do the hard work. And they'll come and buy you out whenever. And like I said, it, it's, there's a lot of restaurant owners. No knock on them. There's a lot of there's a lot of service truck drivers in in saturated markets. But we got to start thinking about simplicity, the simple things, and where there's not where, where there's not a lot of uh, saturated, you know, minority saturated. You know, we're able to, we're to the point now where now we've been open a year and a half. Now we tell you we got five, well, excuse me, we have our minority certification, our small business, our woman, and we have our DBA, our disability um, certification. That's four. So now they're sending us work. 
Right. You know, um, Amazon factories, you know, that we need 20 uh, restrooms. Um, they're doing a stadium at U of H. Hey, we need some restrooms. So now we to the point where they're sending us stuff. But like I said, we did the hard work. We came together. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it, man. This has been dope. Uh, man, you've been dropping jewels all, all episode. All, this, this is like, this is really one of my favorite episodes because- yeah. You know, I just love I love what you're doing in terms of building this business. You've only been in business for a year and a half. And it's like you have it figured out like you've been around for 10, 15 mm-hmm. years in terms of just the way you present. And, you know, even being in your space, this this is a house and it's an office. Right, right, you know right, what I mean? Right, like right. you literally you could tell you're taking care of your people, your employees. Right. So I love everything about what you have going on. Um, so we're going to end the episode. Uh, before we go, though, right. we, it's customary. You always got to get your final thought, right. which could be spiritual, entrepreneurial, right. whatever you want to go with it, whatever right. you want to lead the people with. Right. And then we got to let everybody know where they connect with you right. personally right. and learn more about Shep Boys. Man. 100%. So let's start with that final thought. Final thought. You know, um. You no, know, um, the biggest thing I would say is that, um, you know, be a sponge. I said that a little earlier, you know, um, and when I say be a sponge, you know, I was, I've been able to grab, to grab things from so many different people. You know, I appreciate the compliment, but I, I, I really, on the grand scale, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm learning, I'm learning on the move, but I'm, I'm, I'm humble enough to, to put the right people around me who, if I don't know, they know. And if we don't know, we're going to figure out together, you know, and, um, you know, my company policy, I, I'm, I'm a young guy. I'm old. I'm the youngest dude in my company. Everybody else older than me. But my, my number one thing is that, um, you know, everybody has to be a giver. If you're not a giver by heart, you don't fit our, our core principle. Because if you're a giver by heart, then you can give the type of service that we need. You're going to be humble enough to receive the criticism whatever it has to be told in order for us to get the job done. So I believe when you're a sponge, you know what I'm saying? And, and you receive information and, and you got a good heart, man. Um, you don't know where God, where the universe going to take you. You have no clue. But when you got those core principles, um, you're going, it's going to find you. It's going to find you. I wanted to be a sports agent. I wanted to be a sports commentator. I wanted to do so many other things. A GM I had teams offering me, um, um, come, come be an aerial scout for us, a, a collegiate scout. Russell, you'd be a great coach. You know, um, people been telling me that since I was in high school. You know what I'm saying? But I, I always was a sponge. And I just, even though I thought I knew what I wanted to do, I always was searching and listening for more. Like I said, being a sponge, I was able to to not turn away from John and learn about John, watch John Company. You know, my wife, hearing the conversation she had about working for Waste Company, you know, just being out in Manhattan and just being aware, looking around, seeing, you know, um, like I say, just being able to share my story and not being that athlete who don't want to talk to nobody. Right. I'm quick to tell you, hey, I played in the NFL, but not to brag, just to crack up that, just to start that conversation. Understand that leverage I got because as a as a black man, ain't too I deal with white old white men all day <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> so like I said, let's just be honest. I got to be able to to knock that door down and figure out how, what what's a common interest. Sports athletes. Not too many people get to meet a professional athlete. Like I said, they're not gonna take it as you bragging. Just get to it, and then now let's get to the other stuff you want to talk about. Business. 
You know what I'm saying? So like I say, you know, being able to learn from people, empower people, take what they got and and, and do that, man, you can create whatever, man. Take mm. a solid team. It take a you can't do it by yourself. Can't do it. Most billionaires or successful, successful people, I don't care if you're an entertainer, they got a team. So if you want to do something or build something special, you got to find people that got good core values that you care about, you know, and everybody is eager to want to learn, eager to want to learn. No doubt. Yeah. And where can people connect with you, man? So um, I'm on Instagram at Russell Shepherd 19. That's my um, my tag on Instagram. Um, like I say, on Instagram is where I'm, I'm, I'm most, you know, active. most active. Um, my website, you know, shepboyswaste.com. Um, you know, that's kind of where I'm at, but on my Instagram, man, I'm very active on my, you know, my feed. Um, you know, I try to post as much information. I try to, you know, my partners say I'm a, uh, I'm a ratchet, um, professional. <laughs> so I'm very, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a little Kodak something on my Instagram, but then I'm also too going to tell you about a 529 investment account for the kids and stuff like that. So, you know, I just try to be as real as, as I can, man. No doubt, man. Listen, game changing information, y'all. This one was definitely special. If you can't respect it, uh-huh. your whole perspective is whack. You know what we do around this time, Muscle uh-huh. Fam. If you smell something burning, it's only a desire. Russell, myself, Shep Boys, yes, we out. Much love. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.